So they, they have the ladder up, and I can't quite see what they're doing, and then just making a little bit of noise, and then it drives away. And then, I don't know, five, ten minutes later, it comes back, only backs into the corner facing me, and they bring it all the way up and go to some windows, and then they start moving. And then, you know, there's a guy with the end of the ladder about a foot and a half from my window. So I just wave at him, and he just kind of nodded, half-smiled. Uh-huh. And I kind of felt kind of weird standing there watching him. This is Athenexus episode 132, Tell Me About Yo, on Monday, June 23rd, 2014, and now with the theoretical to actual tax. This episode of Athenexus is hosted by Ryan Rampersed with co-host Ryan Mitchell. Hey, how's it going? Going well. Good. So I have Ryan Mitchell on as my co-host this week because Matt is not at a cabin but uh, it's apparently too late for him because he has a job. So I know. have a job. Well, but see, your your job requires you to be there at like nine. I think his job is a little bit earlier in the morning. Okay. Yeah. That makes sense then. Mm-hmm. So so how's it going? Are you doing well? Big week. Yeah. Uh, work week. You know, another another week. Nine to five. The life. So let's see. Uh, what 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 did you do this week? Any uh any fun things? Uh, this weekend I helped some friends film a short film, so went around Morris and we filmed a little bit in a professor's house in a local cafe in the park. Uh, got tons of bug bites, little sun. Um, yeah, it worked out pretty well. I manned the audio using GarageBand. Well, I've seen your nice little mixer that you've shown me a few times. Yeah. Yeah, that's a nice mixer. XLR to USB, two channel. Yeah, it's portable. Yeah, it mm-hmm. it worked perfectly for what we did. Uh, yeah, I, I had a pretty good uh, week and weekend too. I um went to the Stone Arch Bridge again. Yeah. Yeah the uh, the the water there the uh, you know the St Anthony Dam is right nearby and you yeah. know you can see the absurd amount of water. You know we've had a lot of rain. Yeah, I I miss seeing the the flooded river. It's always kind of fun to see going over the bridges. Yeah, I, I put a an album up actually with my camera. Uh, you can see all of the uh, ruins by uh, Mill City too. That, that was kind of fun to look at. Yeah. And we also look. we also found some strange dancers. Huh. Uh, like they were like kite dancers or something. I'm not really sure. Interesting. So they're just kind of dancing around with kites in their hands, or? Uh, well, apparently they were. Uh, I think they were some kind of like um, event dance, and then they were going to be doing it at some kind of festival that was going to happen on a weekend. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. So that was kind of cool. So you can look at those pictures uh, on uh, Google+. Plus. like the fast mode, fast shoot mode? Uh, I don't think so. Oh, uh, the the auto-awesome ones? Yeah. Auto-awesome? Well, that's what Google Plus calls them. Okay. Yeah, isn't that terrible? Yeah, so on my camera, I can make it, uh, let's see, some kind of like continuous shutter mode so I can take up to five to ten pictures really fast. And yeah. so then I do that, and then I whatever you know latency it has, it allows me to make them have that movement. Okay, I yeah. think iPhone 5S can do that. Yeah, still. I don't know how to do that in, on my phone. I don't even know if my phone wants to do that. I don't think it does. Yeah. So I also worked on a new titler. So if if you've ever uh, listened to the show before, you might have noticed we've had show notes. We'll tell you where the show notes are later. But one of the things that we have to do when we make show notes is we write our show notes in Google Docs, and then I have to put them onto the website. Well, going to each website copy and pasting its title, it's kind of sucky. So, you know, one of our internal tools is what we call the titler, and it lets us grab all of the links' titles and then makes the HTML structure that we then put into the CMS. And so I just recoded that this weekend, and so you can look at this nice GIF video, which is kind of cool, actually. And so you can see me pasting uh, some raw show notes into a doc, and you know, just into a page, and then you can see it fetching all of the titles from the remote web pages. It's pretty cool. Is it even marks ones that are bad? Or yeah, is that... exactly. So uh, sometimes, uh, specifically the Wall Street Journal in the Sony blog, just to say in Sony, time to step up, uh, they fail for some unknown reason. I have no idea what it is. Whenever I try to scrape their pages, they just won't let me. So I've made hmm. it so that it will comment out that line so that yeah. even if I don't fix it, it won't be shown on the website. So it, it, it works really well. That's cool. I plus one it. Great. Yeah, so you can uh, see the, the GIF video, and also you can also uh, see it on GitHub. Cool. Yep. So would you like to talk about the news? 
Sure. Okay. Well, uh, do you know where we can find the news if you wanted to read the links on the website? Um, it's on the, the show notes. Yes, which can be found the at... Oh, oh, I see. The, the nexus.tv slash ATN132. Yes. Isn't that amazing? 132? Uh, 132 episodes. That's incredible. Ever think you're going to get this far? Oh, yeah. Probably I did last week. <laughs> yeah. So let's see. Uh, this week, the Amazon Fire was re- announced. It wasn't really released. So, did you hear about the Amazon Fire? Uh, yeah, I heard. I looked up their phone. That uh, they seem to kind of be pushing the interactivity or a, a little bit of a new way of working with your phone. They have four front-facing cameras mm-hmm. for tilt scrolling. Yeah. So it's the, so there's 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 a few gimmicks in the Fire Phone. The first of which is called dynamic perspective, and that's that's what uses those four cameras in addition to the gyro, the gyroscope and the accelerometer. And it's really strange. Like I don't know how they can tout this as a feature so much. Like I don't feel like tilt scrolling is a big deal. If it, I think if it works well enough. Well, so you can also like open menus and stuff with it. So like if you wanted to open a menu that was on the left, you would tilt to the right and it would the menu would fall to the from the left oh, cool. to the right. So I guess that's kind of cool, but I still think it would be easier to just swipe. Yeah, probably, but it's a cool gimmick. I don't know, maybe some it'll we will see how popular it is. You know, it's kind of like the um iPhone or iOS 7 kind of parallax system on the yeah. home screen. You know, when you tilt the screen the icons look like they're literally floating above whatever wallpaper that works for it. So that's kind of yeah. cool. The other gimmick, of course, is Firefly. And that'll let you take a picture of something, and Amazon will analyze whatever you take a picture of, and then it can take you to the Amazon page where you can buy it. Yes. I've always wanted to buy bushes. Just took a so picture like, of a plant, now I can buy it. It's like there's a QR code slapped on everything, except Amazon's, Amazon's actually like searching it and f- trying to find what it is. So I guess that's kind of cool, but I don't know if I need to buy a whole phone for that. Yeah, I think if they, I think they could make an app of it, if not already. Right, exactly. Well, they do have that Amazon barcode scanner, but I guess that's just a barcode scanner. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So uh, we can talk about some specs, too. So it has a 720p display, so that's not too bad. It's got Gorilla Glass 3. Uh, 32 or 64 gigabytes for storage, 13 megapixel back camera, not four, and then uh, a Snapdragon 800 and a 2400 milliamp hour battery. So all those specs seem like, you know, reasonable this year spec devices. Yeah. Um, How large is the display? Did you... Uh, you know, I think it's about five inches. I don't think... Oh, it's 4.7, I think. Okay. Yeah, it's, it's not a very big display. It's, uh, yeah, 4.7. The PPI is 312. Okay. That's, uh, that's a pretty good display, in my opinion. Yeah, so, like, I think what the iPhone, you know, is what? Like, 330, 320? 326. Yeah, so I guess that's, you know, right around the, the good area to be. Yeah. Mm hmm. So, uh, so, well, let's talk about the pricing, because I think this is one of the, the, the sticking points in the Amazon Fire, you know, announcement. So, it's locked to just one carrier initially, which is AT&T. What are your thoughts on that? Well, it works for me. I have AT&T. Oh, so you're going to switch uh, now, right? No, I don't know. No? I, I tweeted after looking this up. I I don't know. It looks promising enough. I, I'd probably buy it if I was needing a phone right now. I don't, I don't know. know. I don't know. Would you really buy it, though? I feel like you uh, uh, would, well, would, would know better. Well, iOS wasn't a thing. Oh, but... okay. But that's, that's the problem. iOS is a thing, and everybody knows that it's a thing. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I mean, we'll see if some Android phone comes out that's got enough feature, but I, new features, but I doubt I'll make the switch. No, no, no. And of course, you jailbreak, so you get the best of the features that Android has, but all of the nice ecosystem that iOS has. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so the, the on-contract price is, of course, $200, which is standard for most contract phones on AT&T, or pretty much everywhere, really. And then 649 off-contract. And so, Traditionally, Amazon devices have been, you know, great in their sales because they were cheap enough, but also balanced that price with pretty decent internals. So the internal, internals might be great here, but that price is really not cheap. You know, it's a two-year contract or it's $649, neither of which are really appealing to people, you know, as opposed to like one of the Kindle Fires. Yeah, I feel like it's, that's online with the, 
16 gig versions of Apple's iPhones. Mm-hmm. So I feel like I don't know. They're trying probably trying to make a little more money off of it. Yeah, um, I don't I don't know. Like of course, you know, putting four cameras into your phone, I'm sure that makes it kind of expensive. Yeah, I yeah, definitely. Yeah. So I I mean I can understand where they're coming from there, but man, that that price is just going to deter people very highly. You know, and I'm pretty sure they're advertising it pretty hard on their website right now. Yeah, yeah the I'm, the on the website, the front page is Amazon Fire Phone. Yeah, I'm curious to see how successful it is. Well, we'll never know because they won't ever tell us numbers. Yep, they'll just say it's successful. It depends if we see anyone with it. I don't know how long that would take. Like, I guess, you know... Me and Morris, probably forever. But... Oh, yeah, right. Uh, so I, I guess it would take at least six months or so for it to get a, to, to get enough market to be seen enough to recognize it. Yeah. Like, it would probably be pretty hard for me to even recognize this in a crowd because it, it's just a black phone. Yeah, it, it blends in, so let's mm-hmm. four cameras. Well, so one of the reasons I don't think I would ever buy it is because I can see the cameras. Like, when yeah. you look at the picture, you can see the five cameras on the front of the phone. It looks terrible. Yeah, but I don't know. If the feature's good enough, people will buy it, I guess. Yeah, we'll, we'll have to see about that. Uh, other things about the Fire uh, announcement are is that their uh, Amazon is providing unlimited photo storage, so that sounds really nice. And it's not like fake unlimited, like up to five gigabytes. No, it's legitimately just unlimited. It's pretty good. And it also comes with the uh, year of Amazon Prime. That's true. So that's good. Which is kind of weird, though, because if you were buying it, like, like you probably have to have Prime anyway. So I don't really know how that works. Well, and the thing is, I feel like the people who are going to buy this phone are probably those who have Prime already. Exactly. So it might, I guess it would, could save them if you can redeem it, but... Yeah, and that, that's questionable at best, I suppose. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And if you're a developer, you might be pleased to know that you will be able to receive up to $15,000 worth of Amazon coins if you port your Android app to the Amazon Fire Phone hmm. ecosystem platform. Is there operating system uh different enough from android for things to not work or so let's say you have an app that uses um google maps for example there is no google maps on fire os so you would have to use the mapping api things that they that amazon provides instead now i don't know how comparable they are to the you know regular google ones so it could be somewhat non-trivial to port but on the other hand, there could be a lot of things that are easy, like, you know, for example, games like, I don't know, um, like those Need for Speed games that you see on Android sometimes. That should be pretty easy to port because that's all graphics and low level, you know, OpenGL ES stuff. Yeah. And this phone supports that, so it should be able to go over pretty smooth. Or it could be a simple recompile to use the different yeah. user interface. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it shouldn't be too bad. It's just... So if you have an app that you can bring over, you should get, you know, you should cash in to your Amazon coins. You can never have enough Amazon coins. I have never heard of the term Amazon coin until now. That That's the secret like... evil way that Amazon gets you to not know how much your app costs when you buy it. Huh. Yeah. So is the, it's not a one-to-one ratio of coin to dollar? If it was, would it make sense? Like, I don't know. I, I, points. You know, it's 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 terrible. It's just like how Xbox and Sony does, you know, handle their their systems. Well, yeah. I think Microsoft changed it now. But you know, the 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 point obfuscation method is is a notorious thing to get people to not realize how much they're spending. Yeah. So also this week we had a T-Mobile announcement, the Uncarrier Five announcement. They're the fifth Uncarrier now. Well, it's their fifth announcement. So they they uh, introduced two things, and I have these in reverse order, so let's go with the second one first. Test Drive, it is a, basically a seven-day free trial, which sounds good, right? So you get to get an iPhone 5S on the T-Mobile network, and you get to try it out for seven days. Sounds like a good deal. Wow, it's a revolutionary thing. Like I feel like every phone ever has had a 14-day return policy, and service has had a 14-day return policy. Like I'm sure that exists. It just they're they're advertising as a free trial. Yeah. With quotes. Right, exactly. Try you this test drive. Seven hundred dollars on your credit card in case you lose it or break it or steal it or Or you put it in a tub of water. Yeah. Yeah, I hear that's a common thing. Especially with all the rain these days. 
The second thing that is a little bit more useful is something called music freedom. So what you can do is you can listen to a bunch of different, you know, music streaming services. So like iTunes Radio, Beats Music, Spotify, Pandora, RDO, and a few others. Uh, and it won't count towards your monthly data usage. Yeah. So they're striking deals with, with music and trying to... I think that could be a nice thing for people who like audio but don't want to pay for a large data plan. Right. But I'm not sure how did T-Mobile's data plans are anyway. So... Okay, so according to T-Mobile, they're not getting paid for or by any of the providers here. So it's kind of cool. So what they're doing is they're just looking to see where your data is going. And if it matches one of the approved streaming services, they won't count that traffic towards your data allotment. But so the only plans that really have, you know, non-unlimited data are the plans that are below $60. So there's a $50 plan, a $40 plan, and then prepaid plans, which is really hard to say. and um those plans have anywhere between one gig and, or, you know, 500 megs or one gig. So, uh, this could be great for people who don't have a lot of bandwidth, but then want to listen to music. So it just sounds yeah. really nice. I wonder if, uh, or where the checking is, if like you can still use a VPN and it goes through there or not. Oh man, I doubt it. So if you yeah. VPN your traffic, then I'm sure that it won't work. Yeah, definitely. Just, just a thought. Oh, it's a, yeah, that's a I good thought. I think that's a good thing for, music people and people who don't want to spend a lot for their plans. Definitely. It, it does raise some weird questions, though, like, how does that work with net neutrality? Because doesn't that mean they're essentially letting a type of content go free, go free while putting a premium on all other types of content? Yeah. Yeah. Fast lanes for music. Right. Or, But it's not even like a fast lane. It's like a... I don't know. It's like... um. Yeah, I, I don't know. It's something. It's not a fast link because it's not getting delivered faster, but it's different. Yeah, yeah. And it's also weird that when it, when T-Mobile can track what things you're using, you know, it can specifically know that you're using Spotify versus you know some unknown service. It's kind of creepy that they are literally looking at your packets consistently like that. Yeah, I think I hope they have a good private policy there. Eh, who knows? It's 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 uncarrier. They can't do anything bad to you. Yeah, they're perfect. Yeah. Well, speaking of carriers, let's talk about some carrier news. Uh, John Legear, which is the CEO of T-Mobile, uh, issued a statement earlier this week about the Amazon phone, and this was before the Amazon's announcement, and he was basically chiding Amazon and AT&T for being so exclusive. And he said that that, that kind of exclusivity um, really hurts the industry and it makes customers angry. You know, of course, he was just jealous that he wasn't getting the exclusivity deal. True. Mm-hmm. But I think he's got a good point as well. I think, I don't know, I think it'd be, it's good for people to be able to use what carrier they want. Oh, absolutely. So, although, in an ideal world, every carrier would use the same technology. You could just jump from one to the other. Yeah, that would be that would be the ideal world. Unfortunately, we're not that lucky here in the U.S. America. You have to go to Europe or Asia for that. Yep. Yeah. Uh, a new act in the Senate called the Online Competition and Consumer Choice Act. You know, it's one of those acts, so it has to have a really long name. Uh, it is sponsored by Democrats and, among others, Al Franken. So, you know, local ties, I guess. Yeah. Uh, it would limit the ability for broadband providers from charging edge providers extra to reach end users. Hmm. So, so what, what's an edge provider? So an edge provider would be something like uh, Netflix or Amazon or the Nexus, for example. Anybody who makes content and then uh, a person like you or I would go find that server and then start streaming content from there to here. Okay. So think about it this way. So we're we're an end user, and then there's some network core infrastructure that's usually Comcast or, I don't know, AT&T or CenturyLink or whatever. And then yeah. there's an edge provider that is sort of like an end user, but instead of viewing web pages, they serve web pages. So... Yeah. You know, this seems like a pretty good idea, uh, but, uh, you know, with the, with these kind of acts, you know, there's always some kind of loophole that, uh, they can get out of it. Yeah. In theory, it sounds good, because then, you know, you can't, this, this would be like, you can't buy a thing from Comcast and pay an extra $5 a month to get access to Netflix or something. Exactly. Or okay. get Netflix 10, for, get Netflix 50% faster with this supercharged package. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, from that sense, I think it's a good thing, but. Yeah, we'll we'll see if this works. I don't I don't know. I I, I just feel like that no matter what they do act wise, there will always be a loophole. 
uh, somewhere yeah. along the lines. And of course, it still has to get approved by the House, and that it doesn't even mean that the FCC will have any more authority, even though they apply this act to the FCC, because as far as I can tell, this doesn't give the FCC more power. Yeah. Yeah. So let's talk about some uh, phones. Uh, a revised version of the Samsung Galaxy S5 will soon enter the market. Well, maybe not in the U.S., maybe just elsewhere. Have you ever heard of LTE-A? I have not, no. So what, what, do you know what kind of speeds LTE is supposed to deliver? Um, isn't it up to 100 megabit? Yeah, that's right. So in America and in the world that we live in, LTE is supposed to mean 100 megabits per second. Now, of course, that's theoretical bandwidth and throughput, so it never actually happens. You're lucky if you get 50. So, I'm like over 25, maybe. Yeah, I've never gotten over 25 either. So it would be cool if you could get higher. And so usually what that means is to release a new spec and to make a higher theoretical so that the actual becomes the previous theoretical. That's usually in practice what happens. Yeah. Yeah. So... um the new version of the Samsung Galaxy S5, whatever they call it, it's going by a few different names, the Galaxy Prime, the Galaxy S5 LTE-A, or the Gal- or Samsung Galaxy F. Great naming conventions here, right? Well, this phone could feature a 5.1-inch Quad HD, so that's uh, like 1440p screen, okay. 3 gigs of memory, and a Snapdragon 805 with the new standard lte advanced which is around 300 megabits per second Hmm. so you know after the theoretical to actual tax you would get uh you know around 100 megabits per second yeah that'd be nice i wonder what they have different if they more more antennas more bands or yeah you know so it it doesn't just require the phone to be upgraded it also requires an advanced network too so it's limited initially to Korea. And of course, you know, Korea is the size of like what, half of Minnesota? Maybe? Yeah. I, I, I'd have to bring up my map and, you know, Google Maps doesn't like me. So, you know, it's much easier to deploy a, a smaller network there rather than here. Uh, and, you know, all of our zoning issues too. So at least it exists somewhere. So I don't think this is 5G either. This is just a revision on the 4G spec. Because isn't isn't 4G technically up to a gigabit? Uh, I don't think so because they also call 4G Cat three. What what does huh. Cat three deliver? I'm not sure. Yeah, because Cat five delivers gigabit, as far as I know. Well, Cat five E can can do gigabit. It's only Cat no, Cat five is registered through hundred gig hundred oh. megabit. Okay, so whatever um. for, whatever Cat three is in terms of wireless, that's what it is. So I guess wireless and wired technologies are different. Just a little bit. A little bit? I don't know. Missing some wire there, I guess. So, have you ever heard of BlackBerry? Wow, it's been so long. Oh, yeah, I know. So, you, we've got to do the thing. So, when I say BlackBerry, you have to scream back BlackBerry. Okay. Ready? Yes. BlackBerry. 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 Okay, great. BlackBerry. So, you're very good at this. So, uh, you know, it's been a long time since we've heard about BlackBerry, and, you know, they haven't been doing a whole lot lately because they're trying to pivot the company, you know, with their new CEO and their recommitment to, you know, keyboard-based phones. You know, they're trying to do something. And so the new thing that will be coming this fall will be BlackBerry 10.3. Now, what could BlackBerry try to include in this release to make it worthwhile? Well, of course, none other than the Amazon App Store. Uh, apparently, somehow, they have conned their way into uh, making Amazon apps run on their OS. I have no idea how that's possible. And they're going to align its developer program with its end-to-end mobile enterprise solutions. Again, I don't know what that means, but it sounds like a good idea. Yeah. Now, of course, this isn't all that they're putting into 10.3, but that's pretty much it. Yeah. I wonder if they're just running, like, an Android emulation layer. Uh, that's or... probably what it is, yeah. Huh. Well, hopefully those apps will run well. I uh, doubt it. Any idea what BlackBerry is based on? Is it a Unix-based thing? or? Yeah, it's a Unix-based thing, but it's something called QNX. Okay. It was, um... A re- so, I don't know what the original BlackBerry, like, BlackBerry OS 7, I don't know what that was based on, but BlackBerry 10 is a completely separate fork. And it uses QNX, and it's something like um, if you ever if ever, ever saw like touch screens in cars before like 2007, that's what QNX was. 
Okay. So it was a really small, really hyper micro kernel kind of okay. architecture. Kind of cool. Okay. So uh, we have some tablets to talk about. Last week we talked about the new Galaxy S tablets. This week we're talking about the LG G Pad tablets. Everybody likes yeah. to just put random letters in their tablet names. Why not? They should make new letters. Just throw them in there. Yeah, I don't know what those new letters are called, but it sounds like a good idea. LG with an Umla t- tablet. I feel like that would really mess up a lot of bloggers, blogs, a lot of websites. Like they would all just break. Hopefully their character encoding support it. Unicode? What's that? Never heard of Unicode. So instead of just releasing one new G-Pad, they decided to release three new G-Pads. That's right, three. Not one, but three. Okay. So there's a 7-inch model, an 8-inch model, and a 10.1-inch model. Now, here's the problem. The specs don't make any sense. So you'd assume that the smaller one would have a smaller processor, and the bigger one would have a bigger processor, right? You know, that's how things usually work out? Well, no, you're wrong. Instead, they all have the same Snapdragon 400, and it's a du- probably a, the dual-core 400, so that means they're pretty slow. They all have a really terrible screen, 1280 by 800. That's, okay. p- that's pretty low resolution, and they only have one gigabyte of uh, memory. Huh. So, and that's the same resolution on all three. Yes, the same resolution on all three. Isn't that crazy? That's ridiculous. A little bit. So... I don't know how much these are selling for yet. They haven't announced pricing in the U.S. I think it's going to be um, around 199 euro, so whatever that translates to U.S. dollars. Well, good luck with that. Yeah. I don't huh. know what LG was thinking here. Now, this begs the question, what happens to the LG G-Pad 8.3-inch that's currently still being sold, which has a Snapdragon 600 from last it's, year? It's faster. It is this... faster, but it's an, a, year, a year older. This just makes no sense. Wow, I'm guessing they're just trying to sell them for cheap and get that low end. I just, I guess so, but it's crazy. So, I want to talk about some Google news. Sure. So, uh, do you you watch uh, anything about Google I.O.? It's going to happen later this week. I don't know if you're uh, into that. I read the tweets. I don't don't watch the keynotes. Okay, well, you'll be reading all of my tweets. I'm excited. Okay, so you'll be watching my live tweet show. That's going to be hilarious. So there's a bunch of things coming at Google I.O. We can just go through a few of these here. So this year at Google I.O., we're going to be talking about Android Wear. It's the new uh, Android Wear operating system that will be on their smart watches and other smart devices that aren't phones, I guess. And this will be really the first time that we've seen it in action. Uh, We've seen screenshots. We've seen, you know, really boxed off demos. And so now they're actually going to release hardware and the actual SDK for people to actually develop real things with it. That's pretty great. They're rolling forward on it then. Yep. Uh, Android itself will have some upgrades, probably, such as 64-bit support. Intel has had uh, a 64-bit version of Android for quite some time, but it was a fork, so it didn't really matter much. So with contributions from Intel and Google's own work, I guess they're about ready for 64-bit support. And okay. Snapdragon 400 or Snapdragon 64-bit processors are coming out later this year, so they've got to get ready for that. Makes sense. Yeah. There's going to be a new runtime. So do you remember the lawsuit that Oracle had against Google for using Java? Yeah. So in part, that was because Google made this this runtime engine called Delvic, and Delvic, you know, allegedly used parts of the you know just-in-time compiler. Well. Imagine instead of having a just-time compiler, you had just a one-time compiler. Well, that's what Android runtime will be. So you download an app, it compiles on your phone one time, it's stored as binary, and then whenever you want to run it, you just run it. You don't have to recompile it. Hmm. So it'll be more like writing a C program versus a Java program. Okay. Same syntax, just different way of running. That's that's pretty great. It'll make things a lot faster. Yeah. Uh, so we could see maybe a new version of Android. It's kind of up in the air. We've seen leaks of the L release. We don't know what it's going to be called. It could be called the Krish, but it probably won't be. It could be called, I don't know, what desserts start with L? Uh, uh, I don't even know. Yeah, I don't know either. I, I, there aren't, Lic- yeah, that's what I thought. Licorice, that's the only thing I can think of. So we might see a new Android Nexus device, something called Flounder. It could be a tablet. We'll actually talk about that in a little bit. You know, we could see it, but we might not see it. So we'll see. And uh, then there will be maybe an appearance of Nexus TV or an Android TV. 
you know, that could be pretty great. And if they do call it the Nexus TV, I know where they can buy a domain name. <laughs> uh, but will they want the Nexus.tv? Well, they'll want all of the variations, of course, because, you know, they're a multi-billion dollar company. They want them all. How much do you think they'd buy it from you? Uh, hopefully the cost of a, a Nexus 6. Sounds like a good trade. I hope so. And then, and then we might see, you know, little hints or, you know, ideas about other Google projects, like, I don't know, uh, the, all the companies that Google has acquired recently, like Project Tango, the, um, phone mapping service, or the, uh, uh, slick login company that they purchased, or any of the robot companies they bought. So we might see a bunch of, uh, you know, a bunch of those kind of things. So we'll, uh, have to watch for that on Wednesday. Yeah, that'll be exciting. Mm hmm. So, uh, do you, do you, uh, watch anything on YouTube? Yes, I do. I spend, I watch quite a few videos on YouTube. So, have, have you ever heard of this potential music subscription service from YouTube? Vaguely. So, apparently, YouTube will be launching this music subscription service sometime soon, and there's a dispute with labels over royalties. Some royal, uh, some labels don't want to go into the paid service. They just want to have their videos on YouTube and they just want to get their regular ad revenue. But YouTube refer, refuses to offer music on the free service that isn't in the paid service. I see how that's really confusing. Because songs from the paid service should be on the free service, but not the other way around because then people who pay for it would be angry that they can't listen to the stuff that is free but not paid. Hmm. So apparently that's what the problem is, and YouTube's solution is to remove those, you know, unabiding videos, I guess. Yeah. Very hmm. strange. Yeah, I wonder how that's going to play out. Um, do you really see a need for a YouTube-based music service? Absolutely not. Yeah, no, there's... that's my opinion, too. And Google already has Google Play Music. Why do they need another... Another one. Well, I think I'll, for well, I I don't know why they need another one. I feel like this was in the works a lot longer than that, and the reason this is held up so much is because it's for music videos rather than just plain music. Yeah. I don't know what that would have to do with it, but apparently that's what the issue is. So Google, you know, they previously bought Nest, but now Nest inside of Google is buying their own company. They're buying Dropcam for five hundred and fifty-five billion. I mean, million dollars. <laughs> that's a good chunk of change. So you know, it's that's half a that's half a billion. Uh, so do you know anything about Dropcam? I looked it up last week. I don't really remember. So I don't really know what they do other than making really nice webcams, sort of that that take pictures. You know, at some interval you set, and then they get uploaded transparently to the Dropcam website. So it's not like they're even cheap cameras either. They're $200, and, you you know, it comes with a motion sensor, and so whenever there's movement, it will start taking pictures, and then they'll the, the pictures get stored in the drop cam cloud, and then you can view them. So that's cool, I guess, but I don't know what purpose this serves. I think it fits in with Nest's, like, home smart management kind of thing. But is I'm, it that smart, though? Like, it's just taking pictures. Yeah, but it's... I feel like it's close enough. It, I think so, yeah. It is close enough. Detector. Mm -hmm. I wonder if we're going to get into smart lighting at all. Uh, you know, the, everybody loves those Philips Hue bulbs. I hear those are all the rage. I keep wanting one. They're, they're more than I'd like to pay, though. Yeah, they so. are pretty expensive. But, but, I mean, so is everything that Nest sells. So I, I, I don't know if this is an opportunity to expand it to a cheaper avenue. Yeah, I'm curious to see if they change it at all or just Googleify it. I mean, it makes sense in some ways to use Google for this. Uh, you know, if you have a Nest product, then your Dropcam. So, like, imagine you have your Dropcam in your house and you have a Nest thermostat. Nest relies on the fact that it knows your home in order to regulate the temperature. So they could use the Dropcams to see that, oh, look, somebody's home. I can turn the temperature up. Or nobody's home right now. I can turn it down. So that way they'll actually have physical pictures to analyze rather than just an infrared motion detector. Yeah. So that be, be cool. be, could, could be kind of good. They could even uh, do face detection if this person's home. Make it cold. <laughs> Winter. So let's talk about uh, Volantis. So okay. now this is just rumor, but it sounds for some reason like a pretty credible rumor because it actually occurred in the Android source code. And when things happen in source code, you know it's got to be true, right? Definitely. 
So there were strings a few months ago about something called Flounder, and a lot around those Flounder instances, there was another string called Volantis. Now, we know whatever this product is, it has something to do with HTC. HTC makes phones. They haven't made tablets recently, since 2011, but what if they were going to? Well, it might sound something like this. An 8.9 inch display at 21 or 28 or 2048 by 1440 with a 4 to 3 aspect ratio. What do you think about 43? I use it for the iPad. I think it's. I like it. I feel like for something you hold, you don't want it to be too narrow. I absolutely agree with you. Uh, A lot of people, for some reason, really, really love the 16 by 9 for tablet, and I don't. Yeah. I love the 43. Oh, for reading articles, because then it's too narrow and too small. And... Yep. Mm-hmm. So it would have a t- uh, Tegra K1 processor, which is, you know, pretty, pretty good. It has really great graphics abilities, although it is kind of a battery sucker. So we'd have to see about that. that. Hmm? The, the K1? Yeah. Did that come out fairly recently? Um, It was announced officially at uh, CES earlier this year in January, and then I think it shipped in its first product recently from Xiaomi. Um, it was a Chinese OEM okay. in some obscure, cheap tablet. Yeah. Um, it will come with 2 gigabytes of RAM, so that's good. 16 yeah. and 32 gigabyte storage options. An 8 megapixel optical image stabilization rear camera and a 3 megapixel front camera. So I guess that's okay. Yeah. Um, just like the HTC One, M7, and M8, it will have a aluminum zero gap construction. So think of, like, iPhone unibody. Yeah. Sort of. A durable material. Yep. All physically one piece, more or less. Yeah. Yep. It will have front-facing speakers, allegedly. Hmm. So I guess it would sound good. And finally, it would come in at expensive-ish price tags, $399 and $499, depending on your storage option. Hmm. And it would have a release date in Q4. Yeah. I don't think that's... That sounds like a fairly decent spec. It does. Um, I agree. I I think it's a very... It's about online with the iPad or $100 cheaper. I was kind of so. thinking like an iPad mini, it seems like. Uh, I don't know, what what's, what size is the iPad mini? Oh, geez. It's like 8-something, I think, right? I want to say like, I don't even remember. This is bad. Wow. The full size is 9.7. I think this is 8 point... No, I don't remember at all. 7.9 maybe? No. Uh, I feel like it must be bigger than that. Yeah. And you know, on their on the Apple website, uh, it says uh, seven point nine inch, so it's like okay. eight inches, I guess. Yeah. Okay, that sounds reasonable then. Yeah. So uh, this Volantis thing, this could be called the Nexus Nine or maybe the Nexus Eight, depending on how you look at it. It's kind of a weird product though, because if it's coming out in Q four, that's really a long time from now, and everybody said that this product would come out with the next version of Android. But if that's going to come out next week or later this week, really. Well, then, where does this fit in? So, this is kind of a mystery thing. Yeah, we'll see what happens. Maybe they'll announce it at Google I.O. Mm-hmm. So, how about if we talk about Apple? Yay! Do you, do you like talking about Apple? Yeah, it's, it's pretty enjoyable. <laughs> so, uh, they released um, a lower-spec iMac recently. Um, it's priced at uh, $1,099, um, the usual 21.5-inch display. But... Um, the internal specs are a lot lighter than the other version. It has the uh, an Intel i5 dual core with a 1.4 gigahertz processor, which is basically what is in the uh, the MacBook Air. So it's a very light mobile CPU with the HD 5000 graphics as opposed to the Iris Pro that's in the other iMacs. Mm-hmm. So it's integrated light processor in a desktop. So I think it's a very interesting mix came out of the blue. So I I, 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 ju- I just don't know about this. I, you know, these are the these are the iMacs that SPPS will buy, you know. Yep. You know, they'll they'll buy 2000 of them and then cry in 2 years when they're slower than molasses. Uh, you know, I, I don't know what I, Apple was thinking here. The, this 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 upgrade doesn't make sense compared to what they did with the MacBook Airs. You know, the MacBook Airs, they were upgraded to, you know, the refreshed Haswell processors, but then also price dropped. These, this is, I don't know what this is. Yeah, I don't, I don't see why. I don't think, I think if they're trying to lower the price, it should be in other places mm-hmm. rather because the, yeah, I think it's, it's too low of a spec for a, a full 1080p display. Yeah. 
the desktop, which are generally considered to be faster. Mm-hmm. So it's slower than a MacBook Pro. So yeah, I don't I don't know who would buy this, but you know somebody will. Yeah. So I heard you were uh, jailbreaking earlier. Well, I'm but I'll get there after this. It's uh yeah, the new Pangu jailbreak was released today. Um, heard about it. I don't know about 11 a.m. It uh. It comes from a dev team in China, so the whole installer is all in Chinese. And that's convenient. Windows only right now, and it comes and unless you uncheck uncheck a box, it comes with a piracy app store. And um, yeah, and so um, there are already packages out to remove the piracy things. And uh, yeah, with OS 10 support supposed to be on the way, so I'm gonna adventure into that. I currently unjailbroke my devices. Mm-hmm. The last hour or two, so running stock for the next hour here. Well, that that's pretty adventurous, to run stock. Oof. Yeah, I know. You know, it's it's like living without all the great things. <laughs> a so, little more stable. A little bit more stable, huh? Yeah. Yeah, but not as interesting. That's the problem. So yeah. let's talk about Microsoft. Uh, a few weeks ago, Microsoft had an event that was supposed to reveal the Surface Mini. You know, it was supposed to be like the sub-9-inch Surface Mini, you know, it's supposed to be cheaper, but to have the same kind of, you know, power that, you know, a Surface 2 might have, so that yeah. you could have a smaller package, but, you know, do, do all the wonderful surfacey things that you love doing with Windows. Well, yeah. at that event, we did not get the Surface Mini. We instead got a Surface Pro 3, which was strange because we had never heard about this product before. But it turns out that the Surface Mini was indeed intended to actually be there. It just wasn't. It was pulled at the last minute. The reason we found this out was that when looking through the Surface Pro 3 user guide, you can actually see that strings were not correctly replaced because instead of saying Surface Pro 3 in many places, it says Surface Mini. Huh. You think find and replace would fix that? You'd think so, wouldn't you? Apparently it didn't. (laughs) Well, hopefully we'll be seeing the Surface Mini pretty soon. You know, I, I, for some, in some re, you know, regards, I don't think the Surface Mini really makes much sense. I don't know what you can do with a smaller screen with Windows. I know what you can do with a bigger screen with Windows. So, you know, I guess somebody might want it. Runs Windows, unless you use the uh, Metro user interface completely. Well, that's part of the problem. I think this would be completely Metro because the Mini wouldn't be using the good, you know, x86 chips. It'd be using yeah. the sucky ARM chips. So it would be like, uh, what is that called, Windows RT? Yeah. You know, that the pretty much locks you into using the, you know, Metro interface completely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, we'll see what happens. Yeah, we, we might see, or we just won't hear about it for another year, I guess. Skype, this week, decided to discontinue support for older versions of the Mac client. The reasoning is to ensure future compatibility across the current mainstream versions. They are apparently discontinuing support for any version pre- prior to uh, 6.14. Hmm. I don't, I don't know. Uh, the current version is 6.18, so the the jump between 14 and 18 can't be that big. So upgrade now. Yeah, and what does uh, no longer support mean? Just well, not I'm guessing they won't guarantee that it'll connect, but uh, I don't know. Yeah, and uh, meanwhile, the official version of Skype for uh, Linux is at 4.2. Oh, well, you know, who uses Linux? I used that Skype a couple weeks ago. Yeah, uh, you know, I... I thought, but it worked. Skype is, uh, <laughs> Skype is a terrible program. Yeah, it's a little, a little bloated, I think. But it's, it's not only is it bloated, it's also just a terrible program. Yeah. Yeah. Sure, so let's, let's talk about some other things, such as Twitter. Yeah, yeah. animated GIFs. Yes. Your timeline. Now, this is the strangest thing. This news was broken during the same time as the Amazon event, and instead of everyone tweeting about the Amazon event, this is what everybody was tweeting about. Well, if you're tweeting about something, you got to tweet about Twitter. That's very Twitter. meta. <laughs> and so you record a GIF about uh, scrolling on your Twitter timeline and then tweet that in your tweet about Twitter. Exactly. Yes, exactly. And animated GIFs are displayed in an interesting way. They're converted and displayed as a as a video. I'm assuming MP4 or WebM or depending on whatever platform you're on. Yeah, I don't know what kind of video. And so on the day that this came out, I tried to make it work. But for some reason in Chrome on that day, it just wasn't working for me. It works now, so I guess they you know finally got it to work. But it's really cool that it's a video and that it's set to loop, you know? Yeah. And I think on the timeline, you have to hit play first, right? 
Yeah, I actually haven't ever seen a GIF in action because I use uh, Tweetbot, yeah. which doesn't support it yet. So you click no. on the link to the picture and just loads the tweet again. Uh, you um, know, that brings up a good question. Do you even think the native Twitter clients support it yet? Uh, mobile probably does. I feel like they don't because those native Twitter clients are terrible. Yeah, I don't know. We'll Twitter see. for Mac will get it maybe in a year. We'll see. Yeah, you, you know, yeah, we'll see. I don't, I don't think there's um, an API for loading the GIFs yet. So No, probably not. Have to parse the page themselves, or well, no, actually, there might be. Um, you might be able to just scrape whatever the JSON string return is. Shouldn't be that sure. hard, probably. So yeah. Facebook this week released an app called Slingshot. It's kind of similar to Snapchat, but it's yes. different. It's it's got a nicer user interface, I think. Um, it's got a selfie button to use the front facing camera. They call it selfie. Well, that sounds good. But it lets you take, you know, your videos or photos of you or some or someone else. Yeah. But in order to see what you received, you have to send another one to the person who sent you it. That's weird. Which, which makes it very difficult to have conversations because you have to reply before you see what they said. So, like, I don't know. Like, imagine if this is how email worked. Like, you sent someone an email, but in order to read the email you got, you had to say, yeah, I got it. Can I read this now? Like, yeah. I don't know. Like, you can also imagine, like, a bunch of people just taking pictures of their hand just to see the message. Yep, that's how it's kind of turned to be me. I just, I'll just stare on the camera and, like, make a goofy face and do something. Or just take a picture of what I'm doing. And, uh, yeah, it's interesting. I don't really know anyone who uses it other than my one friend, but, uh... Well, I don't, it's only been out for a few days, so it has time to catch on still, I think. Yeah, we'll see. I think it's an interesting idea, but the, I don't know, yeah. It's, so, it's a good way to force you to re- to reply and keep using it. Yeah, it is a good way to force you, but I feel like it's a dirty tactic. Like, if they really wanted you to reply, I feel like there should be a way that you are incentivized, that you get something out of replying. I don't know what that is, but yeah. I don't yeah. know. It just feels really strange to, ha- to, to be gated from seeing content somebody sent you directly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But you know what isn't gated? Yo! Yo. <laughs> That's right. Yo is a new app. Uh, tell me about Yo, because you seem to know a lot about Yo. Well, I heard about it on Twitter when uh, people started talking about it, and um, so it's this it's this app that apparently was made in eight hours, and it was it got 1.2 million dollars in investments. And uh, all you do is you have a list of friends, you tap their name, and it just sends them a notification saying Yo from whatever your username is, and that's literally all it does. So I, I posted a screenshot on Google Plus that I'll put in the show notes later, but it it uh, uh, Brian and I were yelling prior to the show, and uh, you know it's it, it it's literally just a purple square. You want you want to yo me? I got my, my okay. Phone uh, here, let me go find where I put that horrible app. Uh, there goes one. Yo, <laughs> yo, yo. So yo. that's all the app is. You 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 tap on the person's name, it they get it, they get a yo. And That's you can't it. even. You can only see it in like notification center on iOS, and there's yep. there's no other way to go in the app and see who's yoed you. No, nope. you get a total count. It's very simple. It's a uh, a standalone app, basically. That's easier than Facebook pokes. Because do you know where the Facebook poke button is? Because I don't. I do if someone's poked me, because it's been on the side. Oh but well. To poke someone, oh, I have no idea. Oh, so I guess I have a yo count here. It's twenty nine. Okay, what what am I at? And that was all for me tonight, right? Yes, all from you. I'm at 57. Well, see, there you go. You sent me 57 yo's or something like that. Well, I think that's received yo's. Oh, is that? Okay. Well, I've received 29 then. It seems like a lot more than 29. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But it's amazing how such a simple app can can be so invasive. Yeah. And uh, not very secure at first also. Well, so tell tell me about this problem. What happened? Well, uh, one day the the CEO or main person of this app got a got a text saying, "Are you the creator of Yo?" And so they reply back, "Yes." And then uh, and they uh, kind of realize this is a security bug that anyone can get any information from Yo. Basically, you get your username and get the phone number associated with it, and uh, you can spoof. Or you, this is all past tense, I suppose. You could mm-hmm. spoof and send Yo's to anyone else from anyone, and basically an unlocked service. So they have since, I think, limited it down to some more authentication, but pretty big security hole there. Yeah, just a little bit, you know. And I, I feel like 
with such a, an innocent app, too, that it's kind of worse for that reason. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, at least it didn't happen, you know, if the app had actually been useful. Like, I can get rid of Yo to protect myself. Yeah. Yeah. And it and Yo is such a stupid app, there's no, inf- other than your phone number, there's no information in there. Right. So, I guess that's okay. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think that's all the news that I have. Do you have anything else? <sighs> Not that I can think of. Okay. So, what are, what are you doing later this week? Any big plans? Uh, I'm, uh, helping with the uh, freshman registration day on Wednesday. Oh, yeah. I'm not doing, not working then, but I'm helping with that, so. That sounds good. Yeah. You you train them in how to use the horrible and deplorable registration system that the U has. Well, I just get to plop them down with some professors and then leave with half the group to go get their U cards and. Oh, that's probably better. Yeah. So, on your campus, do you have, like, um, the TCF sponsorship kind of thing? I don't think so. I okay. don't know what that is. So. Okay, so when I signed up with my freshman registration group, you know, we were also given all these uh, TCF, you know, like brochures and stuff, almost as if we were supposed to do it because uh, the U cards are, you know, they have some kind of integration with TCF Bank because, you know, we have the TCF Stadium. So you can use your, your U card as like a credit card or debit card? Yeah, like a debit card, right, basically. Yeah, so uh, it was a big scandal and everybody was so angry. Huh, because yeah. there's... You can charge things to your student account with right. your new card. Yeah. Bookstore or like the uh, the coffee shop or something. Yeah, but right. Not quite a full bank. So uh, later this week, I have Google I.O. to talk about. That'll be right. uh, that'll be on Wednesday. That'll be a big and fun event. Yeah, I'll have to catch up in the evening once I'm done with my things. Oh, yeah. You'll, you'll be seeing the tweets. Yeah. Oh, yeah. man. Mm-hmm. And uh, where can we find you on the internet? Well, I'm on Twitter at... Bman4789 or Tech4789, and uh, my website is brianm.me. What if somebody wanted to yo you? My yo username is Bman4789. Yo what? me all you want, I'll yo you back. <laughs> yo yoers. What a strange term. Yo you. The the update notes and the app description are very very kind of comical as well. I'll have to read that. And of course, you can find me just about everywhere on the internet, but especially on the Twitter, Ryan Amar. And of course, on the Google Plus, which is where I post pictures about things I do during the week and uh, places I visit. And of course, also all the show notes throughout the week as I read them in real time on my tiny little phone that takes 30% of my battery life in an hour. Ah, so sad. So, uh, thanks again for coming on and being a co-host. Yeah, anytime. It's good to have you uh, for more than just the Apple events. Yeah, it's good to be here for more than that, too. Yeah. Well, uh, it sounds good. Have a good one. Do. T-Mobile did some stuff recently, or was that last week? No, that was, well, I mean, everything we're talking about here technically happened last week, but... Yo, 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 yo. Oh, I was, I was noticing in, in the waveform that we were just so much quieter than normal. I place full blame on the cat, but, you know, I haven't seen the cat lately, so I don't know if that's true. Yeah, I'd believe it. You know, knobs just get turned, you know, who knows? Hello, just a really quick note, and I know my dad will never hear this, but, you know, why not? Happy birthday to my dad, Ray. You know, he's uh, yet another year old. I think he's 51. That means he's only 30 years older than me, or that I'm only 30 years younger than he is, which is pretty impressive when you think about it. And so, happy birthday. Have a good one.